Alan. Hey, it's Brent. And we're back for another episode of AB Testing. Episode number 78. We've been doing this a long time, and I don't think we're getting any better. Well, <laughs> let me put it this way. We're, but we're, maybe we're not getting any worse either. There maybe, is that. Maybe, There's always a silver lining. Maybe, maybe we're getting better. AB Testing is a podcast about a lot of things, uh, including testing, software quality, agile, uh, what we've been talking about a lot lately is our concept of the modern tester and what that means. Anything else I missed? Big, big topics. Uh, Organizational change, leadership, management, those all fall in here. Highly customer focused. The customers are you, the listeners. So we take feedback from you a lot, both in our topics that we're developing that we'll talk about today, as well as questions from listeners. Send those in via Twitter. Uh, at Alan Page, at Brent M. Jensen, uh, Alan at angryweasel.com is fine. Anything else I missed? Brent, Brent's laughing while I, he goes, look, Alan makes a funny face when he's thinking. <laughs> I, I'm thinking we should actually sit down and, and actually write this out and practice uh, reading should, it as if well, as what if I'm we're doing, not reading it, <laughs> you don't understand. This is this is what I'm doing. I am prototyping intros until I find little bits and pieces I like. Just doing this cold, I would get the wrong value for the customer. I need to try some things that eventually will have something that's scripted for a while, then memorized, and then I'll change words and it'll morph into something else. Everything I do in life is adaptive. Everything is a learning experience. I do it. I learn from it. I modify it as needed to make it better and better and better. That's why. Actually, if that was true, I'd be a much better person. But I, yeah, I was to say, that. I was to say that is a fantastic rationalization for the fact that you're friggin' old and forgot what you said last week. <laughs> so I'll go with it because I'm all didn't about. Didn't we agree adaption. that although I'm older chronologically, that you are much more the older fart? Uh, in certain contexts, um, all in certain no, all. not not all for certainly not all. Um, there is a lot of places where I'll tell people that I am forty-seven going on ten. <laughs> all right, don't tap the table. It's it's always something with you. Don't yeah. play with the microphone. Don't tap the table. Don't, don't shake your leg. Don't pull your pants down <laughs> during the recording. Fair enough. Okay. So let's do a podcast. We've already, uh, last episodes, we have gone all over where is the weasel just reminding people that I am heading off to Test Bash next week. Looking forward to it. Going to be fun. I'm giving a talk called Adventures in Modern Testing. In the program is Experiences. I've changed the title. I don't think it matters that much. Adventures in Modern Testing, where we will talk about what modern testing is. And if you were caught up on your episodes last time, Brent and I talked about modern testing principles, which was a lot of fun. I had some sketched out ideas, some drafts. We vetted through them and changed them. In the week since we recorded on our Slack channel, oneofthe3.slack.com, contact us if you'd like an invitation. We vetted them a lot. We did. <laughs> and... <laughs> and um there was a lot of uh, activity on Twitter as well. 
that's the thing that actually really surprised me was the number of pictures we got and presentations we got of yeah. people already just incorporating them. Which makes me feel a little guilty because, in my view, I don't think they're fully born no, yet. They're not. They're not ready <laughs> yet. The they yeah. are in beta. I would say they're out of alpha. They're into beta. I think of it like a recipe. Yeah. And and I I th- I think it's like baking, right? When you bake, you put the you you put all the liquid in one bowl and all the dry goods in another bowl. And in my view, I'm still kind of looking at the the dry bowl. And I'm going, am I missed? Did I put baking soda in there? It, it, does it need a little bit more salt? So here's some insight that may tell you and some listeners much more about me. I love to cook. So do I. I do not love to bake. And the difference is, is baking is chemistry and needs to be very exact. I'm an adaptive cooker, tasting as I go, trying new combinations out. You can't do that baking. Or you have to have much more patience to retry and retry and retry and get it right. And also, like chemistry, track very closely your formulas and what you did. I like cooking because I can two, – two aspects of it. One, I love the experimentation. Well, one, biggest three, I love eating. That's probably the biggest thing. As uh, do I. I love the experimentation <laughs> part of it. I love trying new things out. I also like – this is sort of the leadership, orchestration, project management part of it. I also think it's fun to create a meal of several dishes and – Cook them so they're and, and plan ahead so they all complete about the same time. Oh, you like the timing aspect of the it. The timing as well? aspect of it I enjoy as well. I've, it's it's a it's a conductor of an orchestra. Sort I of thing. completely agree. So but, I do Thanksgiving at my house, and that it is what is like. I'll spend a half hour with a with a spreadsheet going. Okay, I want to do this. This I need to start this at that time. I may take some notes. I don't do a spreadsheet. <laughs> now I do. Uh, because I'll I'll be so when I do Thanksgiving I generally do the whole thing and there's like ten to fifteen different things that I'm making all in that same day. Wow! Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Tangent. Do you? Oh my gosh, tangents are so yeah. rare on this show. Yeah, I I, I yeah. did not realize in all the years we have worked together that we share a love of cooking. Although I am not afraid to go and tweak. Uh, Baking recipes. Um, but that takes some confidence and experience. Alton Brown. Do you know that name? I do not know that name. Oh, you you need to learn that name. But pause for a second if you tangent inception. You saw my technical testing talk where one of the slides I showed a picture of a kitchen and talked about how I liked cooking because I liked the exploratory nature of it. I maybe you didn't realize generally much, when I maybe get, you didn't realize that I that I actually meant it. No, no. So generally when I get get your slides, I get your slides. They don't come with audio. So I have seen your pic- the oh, picture of the your beautiful kitchen. It's not, <laughs> not Mike and it's a stock photo, but yeah, oh. you know what I mean, yeah. Um, but anyway, Alton Brown, uh, I am surprised that you do not know who this guy is. He, he, um, he no longer does the show. He did like 10 seasons of a show called Good Eats. I don't I I don't watch much TV other than things that I would binge. But uh in the cooking world he is he is absolutely my hero. But, and he's kind of like the um Mr. Wizard of cooking. 
So his shows, he'll go through a recipe and he'll explain to you why the recipe works. Oh, that's interesting. And he is a massive hacker. So he, like well, one of those key principles is he does not like single tasking tools in the kitchen. So he'll go through and say, this particular tool, uh, because this particular tool, you can use it for this, this, and this other thing. Trying to Like apple cores. I don't think he would be a supporter of apple cores because that pretty much does one thing, cores, apples. He doesn't even do it that well. I don't have one. Right. Um, melon ballers, though, even though they're called melon ballers, can be used for so much more than that. Um, Little mini ice cream scoop? <laughs> anyway, so there was this one episode, uh, and uh, this actually might be relevant to you. There was this one episode where he smoked a salmon, and he used a hot plate, a pie tin, uh, a cardboard box... Um, that he then uh, poked holes in it and put put uh, essentially a small little oven rack inside of it, and he created a little uh, a temporary smoking um, oven outside um, with just like crap you have around the house. Like I love this guy. I'm so surprised you've never heard of him. Um, there is. Uh, I have all of his books, one of them signed. Uh, I met him in person. Look at your little fanboy. Oh, I am totally like. Is lighting I up. love this guy. Um, there is one thing uh, that uh, we went and uh, saw him uh, in person. He, he came and he did a talk of, uh, if you will, at Third Place Books in um, Lake Forest Park. And one of the things he talked about is there is a lot of people who will go out and spend several hundred dollars on stoneware for the oven for like pizzas or things like that. He's like, don't do that. All you have to do is go to your local nursery and you know those terracotta pots? Generally, you will find a big, um, the terracotta pots will also have a flat piece that you put the pot on top to hold overflow water. He's like, sure, that's what it can do. But if you uh, grease it up, that's a $10 uh, stoneware piece. And if you take a flower pot, turn it upside down on top of that piece, that becomes an itty-bitty little stoneware oven. And I'll tell you, uh, uh, he taught me this, that little stoneware oven, uh, this part you probably don't care, nothing cooks roasted chicken better than that thing. (laughs) I have done actually roasted garlic in that, and it's fantastic. Uh, The difference, because the stoneware creates a convection heat, um, and when you just pop things in your ovens, you're going to have hot spots, cold spots. That's why you have to rotate the damn trays all the damn time. But when you do this, all the heat emanates all the time because stone or terracotta holds on to heat for a very long time. Yes, and so it evens it out on the inside. I like the idea of – I like the hacking aspect of it. I like – I don't 
like following directions all the time. I never have. The, but he walks you through why it works, and once you know why it works, then then hacking, hacking or rather innovating what you're doing is so much easier. Yeah, and that reminds me of, uh, and then we'll get back to the the show people care about in a bit. But <laughs> in music theory courses in uh, college, uh, we spent a year, a little over a year, year and a half just studying why music works the way it does. Isn't it true that all you need to know is the rule of fifths? No. I'll go with yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. So studying why music works through different eras and what and and why chord progressions work and why things sound the way they do and you really a lot of well, now useless, but at the time, very interesting data. And then finally, like in the last quarter, quarter and a half, you began to learn how to break the rules. But you have to kind of know the rules a little bit to break the rules, and I'm okay with that. I, I think I've told you before, I'm a martial artist. and Does that mean you're an artist? Do you draw pictures of Mars? What does that mean? Uh, it means I, I, I'm a yeah. black belt in Taekwondo and you keep talking. I will show you what that means. Okay, great. <laughs> great. Um, the, but it is really true, but you don't, you don't really understand it until you get there. It is really true that martial arts studies actually start when you get your black belt. That's not the destination, but you don't. Uh, all the other color belt stuff is necessary so that you're ready to begin. That is a great way to look at it. So let's talk, just rewind a little bit. I wish I had a rewind sound effect. Uh, I, maybe I'll make one. I'm probably not going to. It's, if I did, it would sound better than the sound Brett just made. That, okay. Uh, so modern testing principles. <laughs> Uh, we listed some principles last week, and we're not going to read through them again. They're in iteration. Uh, I can tell you if you thought adaption. They were, they're in adaption. <laughs> they're, we are iterating and adapting, but adaption is the goal. Uh, if you thought these aren't very good, they're better. Uh, I'm not going to read them out again today in entirety because they're not done. Maybe next time. But they are getting much, much closer. I'm getting much, much happier. So that's cool. But first, and I want to talk about a couple in particular that have been more controversial in a minute. But I think first, one thing we didn't talk about, I think it's actually better as a flashback, is to back up a little bit and talk about why we have these principles and why we started working on these and and sort of the background of the modern tester and why we believe there's a new way to describe a new way, a adapted way to describe <laughs> testing, which it really is. I didn't say it just to please you and, 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 to, and to be a dick. No. But it's really, <laughs> you might think, well, these sound a lot like you're just being a good agile tester. And that's true. But there's a little more to it. There's, a, there's an adaptation, an iteration, an evolution. Uh, there's some reasons to bring these points up. And so I want to start there and talk about those. Does that work? Yeah, you? that's fine. That's fine. Al and I have been talking about this why offline, and I've, I've written it down. I've promised Alan that I will not be reading it on the show today, but it, it, is, it is a work in progress, and, and I'll release it you know, soonish. 
so why why do we think this the modern principles are or the modern testing principles are needed? I would say in a nutshell is because the world has changed and the world has changed in significant ways that we uh, very firmly believe and and um, I don't think it's actually just belief. I so think there's evidence. The world. I'm, I'm going to be devil's advocate over here. The world is always changing. What's significant about the changes that you're talking about? Uh, let me. Let me. Okay. The the. So to finish the thought, I think the world has changed, and and the belief uh, that I have is is that what got tests to be an important role inside software industry isn't going to, you know the phrase, what got us here isn't going to get us there. I think most of the three have heard that before. Yeah, I, th- I think. So what's different? Number, number one, most critically, with uh, software becoming easy to produce, we have so much uh, stuff on soft our um, services. There are a lot of advancements and techniques around continuous delivery. Unlike any time in history before, customer customers have a lot more choices. And um, whatever company you're in, it is a lot easier for another company to compete with you. I know of a, just a ton of stories of just single people uh, able to release something that takes a chunk out of of um, systems or software that large industries have gotten. Um, a better example, I think, might be is Android. Right, ten years ago, I was having conversations with people going, "What Google's trying to build an OS." Dude, Windows has but you know 18 trillion lines of code. Android is never going to be able to do that. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so to paraphrase, I think the big points that I would take out of that is companies are shipping faster, so fast that every day I would say is this is not backed up by fact, but I think this is probably true. Every day, more and more companies are moving towards continuous deployment. It's it's not only companies are shipping faster, but they kind of have to, because as companies ship faster, I, I, I was I was oh, getting there. Go ahead. I, I was getting there. Stop banging the table. I apologize for my friend Thumper here. So I think in addition to people are shipping faster, continuous deployment becoming more popular. Uh, now. That breeds competition because you're, I'm getting updates faster than you. And here's someone new, as you mentioned, coming to market. And again, I'm just paraphrasing what you said. Yep. Uh, all these things are super important. So when Microsoft hired their first tester back in the 80s, and there's an article about this in, that, in, the, in the book that I wrote that I'm not even going to mention the name of anymore. Uh, they hired a tester because the devs were spending, <laughs> believe it or not, the devs were doing their coding, they're spending too much time running the tests. They wanted someone to come help run all the tests for them. So they hired a high school intern just to come in and run the tests. Mm-hmm. And they thought, well, this is pretty convenient to have someone do all my testing for me. And it grew and it grew and it grew. And the world of... And we lived in a world for a long time where we build something for a long time, then we test it. When I worked in the office org on 
on Office Communicator, which later became Link, which later became Skype for Business. Uh, I was, even at that time, working. I'd worked on Windows before, but I was kind of blown away in Office. Uh, this was early, mid, early 2000s, maybe mid-2000s. But the schedule was a coding milestone, which was fairly short, maybe two months, and then almost a year of stabilization. And even at that time, I thought, this is massively inefficient. So I'm off on a tangent, but... Anyway, I fully agree that the points you made around uh, what is changing significantly recently are very obvious, uh, and which is why I think when we talk about these principles, we see head nods on most of them. Yeah, the the only important thing I think that you missed out on on your synopsis was again, um, as in, and, and it's hard for me to phrase this as a serial thing because these three items play off of each other. So it's it's really hard to say which is the chicken, which is the egg. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is we're delivering faster at the same time. Um, that is breeding strong competition. And at the same time, I don't even know if it's because of the other two, customer switching cost has gone way down. That's something I hear talked about a lot. The idea that, I mean, think about this on your app, on your phone. You go, oh, I don't like this one. Let me try another one. And I do this all the time. I'm, I'm an app switcher. And I go, I'm going to use this one to track this thing that I do. Eh, I don't like that one. I'm going to go back. I'm going to try another one. It's a, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It is only getting better for the customer. Let me put it this way, too. I think it's a loop things around is everything you talked about is we have this system of mm-hmm. fast releases, of competition, of customer fickleness, uh, which brings it all back to how important it is to have a team or someone on the team or a team with the goal of accelerating the achievement of shippable quality. Right. Because those things all that mission statement feeds into the system you just described. Right. So what we described is, is a, a business reality system. The other thing, too, is, is, is as, as I started off saying, the world has changed. And for Tess, what got us here isn't going to get us there. And what we're attempting to do is, number one, create a, a guidance, a, a vision, a North Star Right, um, document, and for you and me, it's not because we've gone through it. Yes and no, because I don't think it's overly aspirational. It's not, but for a lot of folks who are reading it, based off of the feedback I've seen this last week, right? There's still there's still a lot of shock value in some well, of these. Well, there are head nods on a lot of things, and right. two that end up being controversial, which I want to I want to get to those in a minute, but I want to finish this conversation first. This part of the conversation. The business is important. And one thing, and going back to accelerating the achievement of shippable quality, and something that isn't reflected yet in the principles, which uh, is moving test from a cost center to a cost benefit. Test has traditionally been a cost center. And I mentioned you know, books on reducing cost of software, articles, papers. Test is a tax paid at the end. The modern tester and modern testing 
And in this system we talked about in accelerating the achievement of shippable quality, there's a force multiplier that comes from applying these modern testing principles that improve the business enough that the modern tester is no longer attacked by any means. And not only are they not attacked, they're the opposite. That is that is exactly what I think we're trying to do yeah, here. That is the big pendulum shift. It's moving from being a tax and a cost at the end to something that makes the business more successful. And the the other thing, and I think one of the issues that we're going to hit as we roll this out and solidify it, is folks are going to view this as theoretical. I will say for me, I have done everything that I'm I'm proposing in this. The talk I'm giving at Test Bash next week on adventures in modern testing, I gave a preview of it at a local special interest group, and I've modified it reasonably well since then for Test Bash. And normally I don't like to give the same talk over and over. In this case, given where we're at and the importance of this, I have at least one other occasion where I am giving this talk, and that's going to be at PNSQC. Uh, I don't think that's announced yet, so sorry, in October. And then at the leadership conference in New York in June, I am giving a workshop on managing the modern tester to talk about a lot a lot of these transitions, these organizational changes and how to get through them and what it means to manage someone in an org like this. So I'm speaking at more conferences this year than probably I ever have before, but more than I really want to. But... I think it's, I feel like with what's going on with these modern testing ideas we're talking about, it's the right time to try and get this word out and, and keep the momentum going. Because what I love about this talk, and this is one of my goals I mentioned before when I give talks, is I want to see some head nods, yeah, I agree with you, and a few looks of shock. Mm-hmm. And I like being in that sweet spot because it gets people thinking. I, I don't disagree um good right when when i went through this like uh, some of the feedback we've gotten is hey tone down the controversy yeah. and I, i'll say in a lot of places i don't agree with that because what what i kind of view it as and and i saw this at at microsoft when i went through this is that right now is the opportunity it is was very clear in my head that what was going to get the traditional tester here isn't going to move forward anymore, but that there was still time to save some of these people's jobs. It, if I could get convince them that there is a ticking time bomb and that if they acted now, they could shift themselves to a better place. Yeah, and to be clear, uh, I, I, I totally forgot the point I was going to originally make start talking about the, the talk, so I want to come yep. back to that. Uh, but I'm reminded first of a quote I use often from Ronald Heffitz in the book Leadership on the Line. It says, leadership is disappointing people at a level they can absorb. Yes. And this is the shocking things are just disappointing. My adventures in modern testing talk is of course, filled with tangents because that's what I do. But it it's a journey. It starts off with the reflection of 
the last few projects I've done and how what I've learned on those teams has, have led me towards a lot of these modern testing principles. And then I talk about what modern testing is and then examples of how I'm walking the talk and doing those currently in my job and embracing change. In the very beginning, not to give away the whole thing, basically say this is not a future of testing talk, which are all theoretical, and I've given one before and they're all wrong. This is a talk about embracing change. And then it's all just stories, adventures, stories. I like, I'm not touting my own talk much, but when I watch talks, I like it when it's real experiences. I hate talks that are all about theory. So I think it's really important that at this stage, we are able to take the theory away from this. And what I expect is once we get the principles sort of finalized, I think they will always be tweaked and edited, but they'll get pretty close after a while. Yep. Is we should start, we'll start talking on podcasts about stories that support the principles and what they mean. I and or Brent or both of us kind of covered in that statement, will blog and write articles and and give pre- about individual principles to show background to move that theory into these are real life examples of what this means and what's different. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't like, it, uh, again, it, I don't think what, what we're writing down is theory, but I do acknowledge it will be for several folks interpreted as such. Right. Um, again, I've 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 done these, and again, I've seen enough head nods. We can get yeah. stories from from the world as well. So I want to ask you a few questions for uh, uh, sort of the the fact. I'm going to develop the fact here online. So, question number one: These principles, as you guys have been discussing, and if you need to go review what the original ones were, you can go look at the show notes for episode seventy seven. Pause your recording while you go get those. So, Brent, yes. a lot of these sound like agile things that agile teams do. So, why why are they called out separately in the principles of modern testing? Um, <clears throat> that is one of the foundational pieces that are are important. In modern testing, I mean, it, as, as we just went through and talked, there's been a bunch of changes uh, in the software world. I think Agile and those Agile principles are critical to it. In terms of the initial feedback, right, what we're trying to strike is a, we're trying to say this is actually really important in the test the modern test context, I will just freely admit that, that um, in my in my own head, some of the principles doesn't seem to have the recipe quite right yet, and it's more focused on anything you could read from you know how to do Kanban, and not sort of the the what does it mean to the modern tester. Okay. So let me let me lead that question into another. Yeah. So I agree. There are some of the principles which are like uh, from the agile world. These are super important because they help you accelerate the achievement of shippable quality and help the team adapt and ship faster and better quality and, and more value to customers. Those things I, I think are worth calling out. But then... There's also but, an alignment. But, but, 
Yes, but let me fi- let me ask the next right. question, which is, well, and then so if you look at it that way, some of these sound more like a product or pro- project manager sort of principles than a modern tester principles. That's going to be that's. I'll I'll just say uh, one of the things that I'm I'm thinking about is is the question of how do I describe crisply the role of the modern tester versus some of these other common concepts, scrum master being one. Or am I saying that modern tester is a scrum master? No. No. I, am I saying a modern tester is a PM? No. Am I saying a modern tester is a dev? Uh, well, actually, in that case, there might be Partially. an argument because I do think another thing that we haven't fully f- talked about, but it kind of goes into the very last principle, and that is as it comes to particularly code correctness, um, unified engineering team, in my view, is a vastly better way to go. Yes, I agree. Having right? an engineering team is a much more efficient way to make quality software and ship it quickly. And and while we're talking about the the noun modern tester, I don't know I I don't it's not clear in my head if I have a modern tester specialist uh, as a member of this uh, unified engineering team, but it is absolutely clear that modern testing activities are an active part of that uh, unified engineering team. Yes, yes. And and therein lies some more confusion. So one thing I want to bring up on your last question is, as we've indirectly mentioned before, uh, the modern tester is a specialized generalist. And they may wear that PM hat sometimes. And that's, I think it's common for someone in what we're calling the modern tester role to take on some project management-ish tasks and responsibilities from time to time. No, I I think we're saying that the uh, a lot of software has been developed with three individual disciplines. And while we're not making a statement around whether or not it's good to continue to have Three, I, I think one of the things that we're saying is we recognize that people operate in that world today, and we're, we're trying to help shift the change. But just like what we're saying is testing moves to dev for a lot of the work, right? Yeah, things are – it's going to shift – the interaction between a, a modern tester and, and a PM changes as well. And, and I'll just say one of the things that I, I think a modern tester focuses on – uh, or versus a PM as an example, a modern tester is is comparing and shrinking the hypotheses of the product, the 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 assumptions, the guesses, uh, aka uh, what you see in a PM doc, which they list under the word requirements. Okay, these are all assumptions. The modern tester is going, okay, I am not only testing on the product's ability to deliver those assumptions, but I'm testing on which of those assumptions are actually valid. So I do think 
Modern Tester in this regard is a bit of an optimizer. Hey, we have these guesses on the product. Which of those guesses are, are correct? Which ones should we go all in on? I think one of their roles is to, uh, for, for an example, is to inform the PM who in this world is more of the intuitionist dreamer, the guy who's trying to build new markets. Okay, uh, that's a more, uh, and I do view, I may, I may be downgrading the PM, but I do view that role is really important because I think the modern tester and developer are working on removing waste while producing value. I, like I think the PM's forward thinking. I think the PM's going, okay, once we kill this job, once we kill this sort of product value, we can move into this other market that dev and test may not be focused on. Right? They're trying to go, how do I build the business? Where the modern tester is more around, how do I make the customers that are finding value with this stay? How do I get them delighted? And what things aren't actually contributing to? Could you say the PM role in that case is to build the business and the modern tester is to help imp- or is to improve the business? Is that too much of a summary? I would say I like how you did that. But but then you made me think of architecture. And I'm actually thinking that the, the PM is sort of trying to design the business. It's the modern well I'm, if you go back to architecture yeah, yeah it's the it's the it's the design architect um, and then the modern tester maybe the craftsman is making sure that the that the building is the design is efficiently implemented but yes. I, I don't want to go too deep into the metaphor there because it breaks down pretty quickly so I'm actually thinking of Yet another one of my heroes, which is Christopher Alexander. Of course. Okay. I know that name. Yes. And he was an architect, and he introduced to the world uh, design patterns. Okay, And we've talked about it before. Not gonna Drink. Go in, not going to go into it now. Um, but he did two things. Number one, he showed how design patterns improved the business, but his focus was around these things he called positive and negative forces. Because what he was trying to do was influence the happiness of the people who would live in his designs. An example I use all the time is you don't install a toilet in the middle of your kitchen because no one's going to use that I, I, toilet. I, I, I don't. I don't think you need to go into the because. Well, yeah, it, but. I think I think PMs are business designers. I think uh, keeping the Christopher Alexander uh, example alive, like someone needs to notice which patterns are creating positive impact, which patterns are creating negative impact, and drive the business to deal with those in near real time. Unlike in the old architecture days where you had to have a full design up front. And this is one of the things that there's, a, uh, again, a key change. You don't do big design up front anymore. Right. You iterate. So there's the risk of being wrong is much smaller now. Mm-hmm. And I, 
But what that does is it creates a wide a wide number of components. You have a lot more options. It's a full-time job to go through and say, which of these things do we improve in? Okay. I want to fire off three more questions in go. the last 10 minutes here, uh, if, if I can remember them all throughout the discussion. The first is, okay, Brent... I'm bought in on modern testing. I get how the evolution works. It takes some experience to be a modern tester. Yep. To be able to apply these things. How, as more and more people move into these roles that we're describing as a modern tester, what's the entry path then for new people in modern tech? I have some answers for this as well, but how do, you, how do we then find more people? Because modern testers grow from the test rank and they're growing into roles that are no longer test roles typically how do we get new people into modern testing what's the growth path for 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 a for a a fresher as they say um i'll i'll just be quite honest i've i have been thinking about this a lot i don't think i have a really solid answer part of me goes you know what this is a change management role and this is leadership role i am not certain you can hire someone into this uh, and then another part is, you know what? One of the things that we're also saying is over time, we don't, over time, this just becomes a, a, an activity that is assigned to a specialist, right? And in that regards, it's, it's um, uh, then you can hire someone new. You, you, I would start with hiring a dev or PM with traditional dev or PM skills. That's exactly where I was going to go. I think I would add statistics to their training, and I would add customer behavior analysis. And, and uh, yes, but I wouldn't be so prescriptive about that. You're not going to. They don't. You're not going to grow it and nurture it like a plant. You're not going to go. Okay, you are going to be our modern tester. Here's how we're going to train you. And when you're done, you'll be able to do this. I think I have known many. I would Deve- look. I would look. On I have resumes. known many developers who have. We hire them as a developer. They end up caring a lot about quality and craftsmanship, and those people, even though they've never been a tester, would follow these modern testing rule principles without ever having heard them before. They just they're those people will grow out of the existing people on our teams. Let me. So I let me also clarify. Think, Damn it. You've you've taught uh, yeah, all right, uh, you, and I also think there's a there doesn't need to be a modern tester on every team. In fact, uh, all I can definitely see roles even in my org where someone, me or others, could just be a coach of modern testing principles for multiple feature teams very easily, which is a different answer to the question we asked. But you wanted to clarify something, so go ahead. So. I agree with everything you just said. Like, it's a reason why we're calling it the modern testing principles, not the modern tester principles, right? And if you look at our last principle, we're we're actually saying specialists with the title tester, we expect to disappear. Yes, but what? So to and, clarify, and, and, and I we would should not hire. actually include that line on. I know you're interrupted, but we should include that line in the introduction for principles. These are modern testing, not modern tester principles. Go on. Yeah, that clarity, I think, is uh, noted. 
if I were hiring this person, I wouldn't be trying to hire this person uh, directly. What I would do is I would go, okay, what I want is someone who has the skills to work in this type of domain. So I would be attracted to people who had customer behavior um, experience on their resume, um, data, uh, stats, ML, and dev. And I will say that uh, one of the things that I've started having conversations with my own team like you and I are talking about, hey, test is on its way out. I'm starting to see the beginning of the end of people in my role. ML work is starting to become a lot more com- um, commonplace. I think there's a generality there. The, the specialist, as we know, is a bottleneck. For and, sure. And we're starting to see with modern testing and with uh, the democratization of data science. Yep. We're seeing the specializing generalist and and as a manager building a team you build a team of specializing generalists with different areas of specialization within there to help build the jigsaw puzzle of a good team and that's how you build a modern test agree. it may be one person with that big testing background but it may be in the future more likely it's a few different people that bring the different principles to the table on the feature team yeah, uh, it it is all about the team, and it is all about what skills you have in the team and how well you get the team members leveraging each other's knowledge instead of trying to duplicate it. All right. So why call it modern testing? Why why modern is next postmodern testing? Why is this modern compared to traditional testing? What's your what's what's in, the in my view? It's it's simply, and I know the answer is is the fact. <laughs> in, in my view, it's simply um, to. Force that comparison between traditional uh, someone else on uh, it called it vintage. I, I kind of I kind of like that one because it it kind of gives it a nice turn, but makes it sound really old. I heard yeah. someone else call it bass backwards nineteen nineties testing. Uh, yeah, that doesn't quite flow off the tongue. Yeah, not quite. Yeah, right. Um, but the other thing I will I I fully realize we need to put this in in our published documentation. Right. One of the key principles of modern testing is you constantly adapt. And as uh, as new techniques and new software uh, models come into play, we're going uh, we would hope that modern testing would persist by learning these things and incorporating into it. So it, it is in some regards, it is a living document. But. If ever one of these techniques comes into play that that just essentially eliminates the need for, for uh, testing in any regard, um, I think rightfully so. Just like uh, we're proposing traditional testing should be abandoned, so should modern testing. Yeah. And what comes next, that's going to be up to whoever realizes this pattern and names it, I guess. Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, talking about the talk that I'm giving, it's not about the future. It's about embracing change. We could say, in a way, modern testing is very much about that as well. It's not about defining the future. It's about embracing the change that's going on and what it means to software quality and the software testing activities. It's about, I think it's more than embracing change. It's about embracing and acting 
on that change. You know, the, the phrase... When I embrace, I embrace deeply. So acting is included. Anytime... Do you want a hug? Later. Anytime there is a change, it is also an opportunity. And what we're trying to do with modern testing, and I, I mean, there's a lot of things in here, and there isn't a single one thing other than accelerating the achievement of shippable quality that binds it together. Um, but what we're trying to do is saying, hey, this is happening. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. It's happening. That uh, the momentum is there, and when the universal tipping point happens, it's going to happen fast. Now we see an opportunity for people who start preparing themselves for that time, and you don't have to. It's it's not like you're not going to gain value out out of it immediately once you start doing this prep, but the people who I. I I view it as the people who really see this light, see that this tipping point is in fact coming and starting to prepare for it, they're going to thrive when it hits. Yep. One of the controversial points, there's, there's, one, there's two controversial points in the principles. And again, you can go read them on episode 77 show notes. There's one around where we may reduce or eliminate the need for, modern, for, for the testing, a specific testing role. Uh, that one's like, oh, my job. But we'll talk about that and explain that about bracing change. That one was obvious, obviously controversial, meant to be controversial to get people thinking. There's another one around the customer. And we said something close to this is in constant evolution. The Only the customer is capable of evaluating the quality of the software. And traditionally, testers have thought about like, I am the customer. I'm the protector of the customer. And but... Both Brent and I believe very strongly in this one, and we've had pushed to remove the word quality and call it value, and we both kind of feel like quality is the right word there. And I'm going to bounce this off some folks at TestBash as well. We're mm-hmm. going to get a bunch of feedback. And as a teaser, the, the first ever A-B testing cliffhanger, we're going to dive deep into that next time on A-B testing. I'm Alan. I'm Brent. And we'll see you next time. Walking on in a sea